time. So this evening, we, I want to talk to you a little bit about getting into that more. I know we've been talking about getting in that victor circle. Well, what's in that victor circle? The blessing, it's the plan of God, it's the healing, it's the restoration. It's moving into what God has for you and I. Man, I would hate to find out that I missed out on so much just because I didn't participate. Now, I know some of you have heard my story. Uh, I've said this, shared this uh, quite a few number of times over the years, but it's one of my favorite stories of all time. But because, you know, sometimes you have a life experience that really just continues, speaks to you to the very moment, especially when you go through things. You're facing some things. And I remember some number of years ago, back in the day when I used to like running. I love running. I really, I still love running. I do. <laughs> and I remember I was, I was quite active in running, but one year, um, for whatever reason, there was a month that um, I didn't get to really go daily like I wanted to go just because of life challenges and obstacles. And we had the ministry going on and meeting. So it just kind of took me out of, of working out. And uh, I remember telling quite a few, a few of my friends, I said, hey, look, I'm going to go into join what we have here in our hometown. It's called the Veterans Day Run. So I told everybody, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that Veterans Day Run. And they were like, okay, man, all right, you're going to do it. I go, which one are you going to do? I said, I'm committing myself to the big one. Well, what's the big one, Pastor? I'm doing the 10K. Some of you are like, hey, wait a minute, that ain't that big. Hey, to me, it was the big one. And so I got involved in that race. And, uh, you know, during the course of that race, I hadn't ran in weeks. And, man, I wasn't, I wasn't, Boy, you haven't run. You, you, you start running with a bunch of ladies who are passing you. You got seniors passing you with their little, little push carts and little mobile vehicles. You're like, man, I'm not doing very good. And, uh, and so I was doing the 10K and, and not even not far into it, I injured myself. And my body was telling me, you know, you can quit because you're hurt. And I told myself, mind, you shut your mouth. You, you're not the boss here. I'm the boss. We committed to this race. We said we're going to run this race. We told people about it. And so I ran that race. And I think I was probably the second to the third, maybe the second to the last person. Like I said, there's an, all these women were passing me up, <laughs> making me look bad. And, but I was okay with that because really I wasn't, I'm not really per se a physically a runner. I'm more of like, you know, big shoulder man, <laughs> big boned. <laughs> big bone. <laughs> Those are lies that we tell ourselves. So here I was and um and like I said I could I just made the decision, you know, I'm going to finish this out and I finished. Well, during the course um during the course of the run, uh, they decided they were going to do awards and, and places and placements. So, so I thought I'll watch and see who took first. And they were reading first place for this person and first place for that person for a certain age groups. I go, oh, that, and then they, you know, there was no, there was no price for those who, who got second, just for those who, uh, uh, for whoever their age group. So all of a sudden they get to the, to the certain age group that I was in and they said, first place to, uh, Marcus Dela Cruz. And I looked around like there must've been a, some sort of mistake, <laughs> but what made, and I still have that. I still have that trophy, by the way. It's, it's, it says very proudly in my closet for no one to see. But the beautiful, the beautiful thing about that trophy is it reminds me is that as long as you run your race and run the race that God called you to race, yeah. you'll always win. That's right. You can't win your race unless you run your race. That's right, and part of you getting into that victory is you have to run your race. 
And this evening over here, and I'm going to just kind of in, in, in lieu of part of our review, let's open our Bibles to, uh, because we've opened this and we've been, this is sort of like our cornerstone of our text. Um, our foundational scripture is found here in Hebrews chapter 12. I won't read all of it, but I'll read a portion of it because, again, this is very substantial to, to you know, getting into that winner circle. Amen. Yeah. And how many of you know getting into the winner circle, the number one thing is you got to get your head in the game. Yeah. That's the biggest area that most, most people, they lose it. They don't get their head in the game. But over here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore we are also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, there was a great outcome for him running his race. But also I want you to know something that I find very interesting and it's always been important to me. Uh, and it's something that I've always noticed is that, that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And this is important because we think these witnesses are interested in our everyday affairs. They're not. They're more interested in your spiritual development. They're interested in what you're doing spiritually on this world. It's sort of like, I, I almost imagine your life is almost like being, um, when you watch a, a competition, you're just watching the race. You're not watching everything else between. You're not watching the commercials. You're watching the 400 dash. Next thing you're going to one competition, one part or the other. And in between, there's a break in between. And I don't think they see your entirety of your life. However, they do see you compete. They see you running your race and they're rooting for you. They're rooting for you. They want you to be successful. So again, getting back into this, to the main frame or to the main context that we're talking about, part of our victory is getting our head into the game. And, you know, but that day I had to get my head in the game. I had to, no matter what my body was saying, no matter what my feelings were saying, I had to get myself mentally prepared, mentally there. And, you know, part of your, you running your race is training. And every day you train. You don't train one day. Every day we read our Bibles. Every day we spend time in the spirit. We pray. We worship. Um, and if needed, intercede for somebody who needs intercession, right? Because that's what we do. We're, we're training. We're, we're training for reigning. We, we want God's best in our life. Amen. So this evening, let's open our Bibles as we start getting really get into um, to other things that the Lord has put on my heart today. Um, tonight, let's just open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. <clears throat> because like I said, if you're going to be successful, the first thing you're going to have to do is address your, your mind and the way you think. Okay. Every believer has to do it. Right. Every day you're going to be challenged with thoughts. Every day. Every day. Your life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, you have these long bicycle races in the Tour de France, and they take weeks. And in this particular race, we have a lifetime to run the race, but we need to be engaged with it. Yeah. And here is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says, For we walk not in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
One thing I want to talk about this evening is about them strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a way of thinking that brings me to a place of non-producing. Let's say, for example, I'm having an area in my life that doesn't produce fruit. It's a stronghold. Maybe I don't talk right. Maybe I don't know how to have proper relations with people. Maybe I don't know how to show that I'm caring. It becomes a stronghold. It, it limits me. Yeah. It limits me going forward on some things. Yeah. It doesn't allow me to bring closeness or have relationships with my pastor or learn to love other people in the church. It's a stronghold because, or I feel dysfunctional. I just like, I can't feel like I just can't get past. It is a stronghold because it limits me and it keeps me from experience God's best. Mm-hmm. And a stronghold is another area. Uh, so you got to think of it as like a fortress. And sometimes in order to deal with a stronghold, you have to deal with the main issues of life. Things that, that have built up these strongholds. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, I have to go to the Lord with it. I have to plead the blood of Jesus over it. Say, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over this. Lord, if I have played any role in this stronghold, um, if I have participated in any way in the building of this wall that I've put up around my house, Lord, show me what I need to, what I need to do to take it down so that I can have and be or have functioning relationships or just be a good, uh, uh, hardworking or a staunch Christian that's on fire for the Lord. And sometimes people, once they deal with these strongholds, like, well, maybe I can't give up cigarettes and it's been such a struggle. From Once they get delivered, maybe they get delivered from pornography. Once they get delivered from these things, next thing you know, they're like, wow, I, 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 it, it senses like that they're able to do more for God because now they have a confidence. And the thing about a stronghold is it keeps you. It keeps you back from experiencing God's best. Amen. Yeah. And so part of part of being a Christian is arresting some of these pernicious thoughts. A pernicious thought? What's a pernicious? It's toxic. It doesn't help you grow. It's thinking wrong thoughts towards others. It's feeling wrong feelings towards others. I remember one minister, he used to say that when he he said to himself, if I if I go down the street, if I see so-and-so, I'm going to go to the other side of the street because I'm not going to want to talk to them. And the, the Lord dealt with that person not to go across the street, but to show and walk in such a way that reflected the love of God. He said when he did that, it opened up the door. It removed hindrances. It removed uh, it removes struggle. And I'm going to tell you something. When someone obeys the Lord and following the plan for their life, there is always, I say, always a blessing. Right. I choose to walk in love. I choose not to be, let the sun go down upon my wrath. Yeah. I choose today that every day I'm going to exercise my flesh. I'm going to put to death the mortal deeds of the body. Right. I'm going to talk in love, be sweet with my words. I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to be a responder well, they said this and I just had to give them a piece. No, I'm not going to respond. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're growing up and, and putting away these pernicious thoughts, you start to have to realize these are toxic ways of thinking. And all they do is wound you. It don't, they really don't necessarily wound the person that you're dealing with. Right. Now, I'm not to say that it can't because, you know, people can pick up baggage and hurts from the past at things that people say, but you don't have to participate in that anymore. Right. Amen. So. So what you and I are doing is we're sending every wrong thought to a timeout. We're closing the door on it. Back in the 70s when we were growing up, it used to be they used to sell poisons 
and there used to not be these la uh, these labels on that said this is dangerous. Don't right. eat this. And so back in the seventies, kids and people would always be hurt by things because they weren't properly labeled as being dangerous, toxic. They weren't identified as being not healthy. And so. <clears throat> With your thought life, you're going to have to learn to uh, label thoughts as toxic. Good. This thought is poisonous. Yeah. This thought gives me bad feelings every time. If you eat something and it make, doesn't make you feel very good, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to stop eating it. Some people, you know, they say they're lactose intolerant, so they'll, they'll drink maybe oat milk or drink something else because it's a substitute because they recognize that which they're drinking isn't making them feel good anymore. Yeah. And sometimes that changes all they need. Sometimes in order to, all the change you need is just to get rid of that old way of thinking, that old poison, label it toxic. You know what? That's toxic thinking. Yeah. That's toxic feeling. That's, that's talk, looking at those things that are inappropriate. That's toxic. That's poisonous to my spiritual health. That's right. Amen. Come on. That way of talking, thinking, feeling, acting, yeah. that, that sort of way of responding to life that really doesn't bring glory to God. Right. Come on. It's, it's not going to really help me get into the winner's circle. Amen. Yeah. It's not going to really help me be victorious. You know, Victoria, victory doesn't always just at the end of the race. It's, it's how you run the race. Yeah. It's like, you know, you see sometimes a, a watch races that are inspiring. And the only reason why they're inspired is because you see what the person is traversing through, what they're going through, the mountains they go through. The, you know, they, they, you see the competition. You see people throwing elbows. You see, you see the struggle of getting over the finish line. And sometimes the joy is seeing that person just pushing every ounce of their being just to get over that line. Well, God wants you to push out every ounce of your being of that carnal man away so that you can, so that you can cross that line. Like, Hey, I've done it. I did it. You could do it. And you can do it. You can. And I think the more you start thinking of it, just labeling it that way, start like, this is wrong way of thinking. I'm labeling this. I'll tell you, you start labeling things a certain way. It does something on the inside of your heart. Yeah. You start seeing, you got to see yourself label this. Uh, I'm not watching this program anymore because not only does it have fornication, but it also has uh, same sex marriages um, and things that I that personally don't back up the word of God. I'm going to label this as poisonous and toxic to me and my family. Right. So when I do that is I'm putting it out there. So that way it doesn't come back in. I, you know, I see people here the way they abuse their money and the way they abuse other folks and the way their kids are back talking, or maybe it's not kids or maybe the way people treat other people that is ruthless and unkind. Yeah. Well, I'm going to label that poisonous. I'm, I don't even want that type of contention in my home. Amen. So we can go on and on. I don't want commercials of alcohol in my home because I don't want my kids to be confused that, that somehow I support the funny beer commercial. Or things that make light of sin. Because then they'll think, oh, sin is, that's, that looks fun. Mm -hmm. No, it's not fun. It's yeah. pernicious. It's destructive. Right. It'll destroy your life. And now it deserves the label that it receives. Amen? Good. Toxic, not worthy of being in your home. Yeah. So properly label these Good. thoughts as poisonous. Do not touch. The day, come on, Good. you just got to label it. It's our, it's our jobs to care for our lives. Yeah. I'm not calling the levy. Hey, why did you let me do this in my life? Mm -hmm. Well, she's my daughter. Of course, that'd be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. She's, well, dad, you're old enough. You should know better. Mm -hmm. 
She know better than to make a, a Dagwood peanut butter sandwich. It's not safe. You don't do that. And some of you kids are sitting here, what's a Dagwood peanut butter sandwich? It's five stacks of peanut butter with jelly, and they put another one, you do it again, you just keep stacking it, and you try to make a big giant sandwich and just stuff as much as you can into your face. That's not healthy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not healthy. So you as a believer have got to identify what's, well, peanut butter and jelly in itself isn't bad. An overabundance of things going into your mouth, letting things out isn't good, good for you. Participating in every debate is not good for you. You may be right, you may be on the right side, but it's not good for you because it's contentious and it's poisonous. Amen. So let's open our Bibles this evening to uh, Luke chapter 19 because it's our job to care for our lives, right? It's very much important that we care for our lives. Um, you know what? Don't turn to 19. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. But I will just quote uh, Luke chapter 19. I was going to teach out of that, but I realized that it, it would take more time than where I'm, where I'm headed. But I will quote this because it says this in the scripture. It says, when Jesus was talking to he said, he said unto them, occupy till I come. In the framework, this, that doesn't really make sense. But when Jesus was talking to his, his um, Jesus gives a parable and he's talking to, to some of those who are going to work in his field. He gave some 10, some nine, some eight talents. And he say, he gave them over these guard over these fields or the works of his hands. He said, these are my fields. These are my vineyards. Take care of it. And some people returned with 10. Some people came back with nine. One who had one didn't come back with anything. We know those, we know that, right? But he said something that was very interesting. He said, occupy till I return. In other words, wherever you're at, take ownership of it. Take take ownership of you. Take ownership of your response. Take ownership of your life. Quit being the victim. Come on. Don't be no longer allow yourself to be a victim or someone else's victim. Don't don't be another statistic. Don't allow yourself to, to, to be the one that's always being, how should I say? Um, I don't know. Sometimes you, if you allow yourself to be a victim at some point, and some people, there's a reward for being a victim. And, and I don't want to be the person that's rewarded for my victimhood because it's not healthy for you. Now, well, I'm, you know, you're saying I need to pull up myself by the bootstraps. Yeah, to some extent, yes. And sometimes you're going to need help peop- with people helping you get you back up on your feet. That's okay, but you shouldn't always be on the, on the ground. You shouldn't always be mowing around like you're a victim to circumstances. My mom, I'm this way because of my mom. I'm this way because of my dad. I'm this way because of the decisions I make. I'm this way because of what's going on in the housing market. I'm, my, my situation is this because of the economy. And, and there's, always, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. But the reality is that you never made movement on what God gave you. And if you read Luke chapter 19, verse 13, it's talking about using what God is giving you. And see, if you and I want to get into the uh, winner's circle, we're going to have to take stock of what we use, what God has given you and I, because it's important. Amen. And in Galatians chapter six, verse seven, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So, you know, you want success, you'll reap success by the time and the effort you'll put into it. 
you, you won't get anything out of what you didn't put into it. Well, I drove all the way to Fresno, but I didn't put gas, but I should have, I should have gotten there. Well, you didn't put gas in, but I deserve to get there because I have a vehicle. I paid, I made the payments. You didn't put the gas into it. You're skipping steps, skipping steps. Applying shortcuts to life does not guarantee success. There, it only heightens the opportunity for failure. And your life isn't designed to be a failure. God has given you a brain. He's given you a mind with a forethought and the insight to have enough gumption to realize I need to get the gas. I need to fuel myself up spiritually. I need to keep myself fed spiritually. I need to get myself sharp because no one else is going to sharpen me but me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because it's not enough that we're Christians on Sundays and and Sundays and Wednesday nights. We have to be Christians every day. Our our Christianity is, is a walk. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's what we do. It's who we are. It's not, it's not just the bumper sticker that I have on my car. It's, it's not, it's not on all the, uh, uh, just because it's on my Spotify, but I never listen to it. Um, it's more than just that. It's, it's actually having a relationship that matters and that means something because you see the direct outcome of that relationship, which is a life at the end that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. So let's open our Bibles to First Timothy chapter one. Well, I don't know how far, how long we're going to get in this because I tell you what, I, I'm loaded tonight. I got a lot of scripture in here. We may just have to uh, extend the rest of this into the next. You know, I've uh, this is this is a uh, part four of my message. We may end up being part five, <laughs> part five of part four. Amen. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter one verse eighteen. This charge I commit to you. Son Timothy. Now he's talking to Timothy as a Paul. He's talking to Timothy as a son. According to the prophecies made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare, having faith a good conscience, and some having rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwrecked. I want you to notice something here. He said he received it through prophecy. And people think that just because they receive something as a prophecy, that it ought to happen. It ought to happen. But here's the problem with that. The prophecy is given as an assignment that you have to make movement towards. Abraham was given a prophecy, but he had to make a movement. He had to get out of, he had to move. He had to get to a different place. Each step that he followed in the plan of God was, a, was following out God's plan and purpose for his life. Yeah. Regardless of what the angel spoke, unless he made movement, none of these things would have ever taken place. Right. And it's so important that you and I, that we make movement with God, not just with the prophecy, but with God and the prophecy together. Yeah. Right. We ask God, how Lord, what's the timing on this one? Lord, how do you want me to conduct my life? Maybe God wants to increase and improve my character as a, as a man or a woman of God. Maybe he wants me to really improve my, 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 my uh, personal relationship with him. In other words, I don't just talk to him once a week. I talk to him daily. I have constant fellowship. The Bible is full of, of, of examples of people who walked with God yeah. continually. Yeah, oh, I'm telling you, that is a good thing. Good. So that's your objective in getting into that winner circle, yeah. continually walking with God. Yes, right. 
So now I want to point out something because sometimes people use this wage of good warfare in terms of like, well, th this is how I fight demons. Well, this isn't talking about demons. It's not talking about demons. What was the weight? What was the, what was the wage of the good warfare? The warfare was in having faith and a good conscience, which some have shipwrecked, right? So where did they, where, where did some blow it? They, they lost, they left their faith. And they left a good conscience. Okay. As a believer, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to develop your faith and develop your conscience. Okay. In other words, you're going to always have to address your character. Your character is the number one feeder for your success yeah, no. or the lack thereof. Yeah. So as a believer, every day I address my character. If I had an attitude, yes. I feel like I'm, I'm going... Two, two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it's going to feel like that. Let's just be very frank and honest because you're dealing with your flesh and your flesh is your number one combatant. I'm not talking about the devil. Everybody wants to blame the devil. The devil did this. The devil did that. Well, I mean, I tell you what, we give the devil too much credit that he deserves. Yeah. And if, in fact, if you read the scripture, there's a whole lot less that says that talks about what the devil's doing. And like I said, you know, God said, we're going to get to God. He said, well, the devil did this. And God said, you ain't want the devil. That was called the lust of the flesh. And let's call it for what it is. Amen. Yeah. So we need to have faith and a good conscience. Yes. Amen. Let's, let's, let's turn over a couple uh, chapters over uh, to uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Because you know, I want you to notice something that Timothy is continuing his discipleship under Paul, right? Okay. So when he's talking to, when, when Paul is writing to Timothy, it's part of that discipleship. It's part of that spiritually growing. Amen. Yeah. And it says, and in verse in chapter two, verse three of Second Timothy, chapter two, verse three, says, "You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." Well, I quit. You said it. I quit. Hardship. I didn't sign up for hardship. Well, you know, you you got you got a job. You didn't quit because things got hard. And some people quit all the time, and they just never really flourish. Mm -hmm. As an employee, you need to learn how to endure hardship. Yeah. You need to you deal with pressing. Um, timelines you do with work that you've never done before the employer says hey we need this done but we trust that you can do it you're like is there anybody who's did that no we're trusting you that you can do it you'll figure it out you're like okay that's my assignment but here see when god gives you those kind of god assignments it's to draw out the winner in you it's there to draw out the success that God has already put in you the, the, through, through relationships, through friendships, through, through those who are discipling you. It's there to draw out yeah. those, those hidden things, those precious gems that are on the inside that you don't even know. Yeah. Those skills, those talents, those abilities. God is just wanting to press it out and bring it out and find you. Hey, you could do it. You did do it. You look at you. And see, again, that's part of getting to the other side. It's part of getting in that victor circle. Amen. And he said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the what? The rules. The hardworking farmer must be first partaker of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Yes, amen. Oh my goodness, think about that. You don't get blessed until you participate. Mm -hmm. 
What? I thought I thought I got a participation award. I don't see no participation awards in the Bible. I've yet to find I'm I'm looking for participation awards. There's no there is no participation awards in the Bible. Amen. Because it's important that you and I, you and I become doers of the world. But I want you to notice something, a word, and, and be, it's important that we become doers of the word. But I want to point out something. No one entangles himself with the affairs of this life. What, is, what does that mean? Natural arguments, natural way of living. Well, this is part of our culture. This is what we do. If part of your culture violates in part of doing the word, you don't participate in it. Amen. Well, we're Irish. We all fight. We all have short tempers. <laughs> you change the outcome of it. Right. Well, I'm fighting with my better knuckles. You don't fight people anymore with your better knuckles. All right? You, you, you switch the, the, the light switch. You're like, I'm no longer contentious. Everybody in my family argues. Everybody in my family worries. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm casting those I'm casting those very thoughts upon the Lord. I'm laying them down at the feet of Jesus. I see myself as laying those worries down. I label them as poisonous. I put them in the poison bin. You know, the city has a bin once a year that they collect all the poisons and you can you can take them to the city and take them to the dump. But I'm, more importantly, you have a Jesus that every day you say, I have a poison in my life that needs comes off. He says, you can take this. He'll say, not only will I take it away, but I'll rep- you need to replace it with something better. Amen. Good. Good. So see, then you think that you're replacing it with. Yeah. Better attitude. Mm-hmm. I've learned from this. Mm-hmm. I, this is how I'm going to respond next time. In love, in truth, and in operation of the word. Because the word is in me. Yeah. You hear what I said? Yeah. So we, we can no longer be entangled with the things of the world. Yeah. The affairs of life. Mm-hmm. Not getting in between other people's gossip. Mm-hmm. Ladies. Mm-hmm. Folks. Mm-hmm. Gossip office. Mm-hmm. Water cooler gossip. High school gossip. Mm-hmm. Work gossip. Yeah. Good. We don't engage in those things. Yeah. Well, did you hear what the principal said? We don't engage in those things. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's important that we label it poison mm-hmm. and we don't let it be a part of us. Right, James chapter 4. Say, I am. I am. Come on. I'm, I'm getting my head in the game. I'm getting in that winner's circle. You know, every time you, know, you ever watch a boxing match, they're fighting, they're slugging. I love watching fights. I love watching boxing. One thing I really like is that at the fight is when the bell rings, it's, 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 the, it's the break between. And when the fighter goes aside, the coach is sitting there. He's just yelling. He goes, hey, you need to do this. And he's giving his advice, right? What's he doing? He's keep the preparation doesn't stop just because you're in the middle of a fight or a middle of a game. Even NFL games, they call timeouts. There's breaks in between. Yeah. And what are they doing? They're getting their information. They're getting things in order. They're getting things. Strategies always being developed. And you and I, we're always being we're always being developed in our strategy and our approaches to life with the Word. Amen. Amen. So it's important to have that 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 approach to the Word. Yeah. And in James chapter four verse one it says, "Where do?" Wars and fights come from among you. 
They do not come from your desire. They they do not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and do not obtain. You fight war, yet you do not have because you ask not. In other words, your approach to life is so off, and you're not asking. You want things, but you're not doing things the right way. You have taken a natural means of acquisition. Anything. Come on. That's why when we acquire things the wrong way and if they don't work out. We've got to ask ourselves, did I acquire this the right way? Did I go about the right way? However you get into a relationship. Is the way you'll enter relationships in the future. So it's so important when you start a job, you enter in the right way and you leave the right way. Anytime you enter a new contract, you enter in the right way and you leave the right way. That's right. You leave it better than what you got it in. That's right. And you don't point out to everybody of how awesome you were as you were leaving. Mm-hmm. You, need to pu- you do not need to puff yourself up. Mm-hmm. You don't. Because the old Marcus would have done that. The old Marcus says, yeah, well, when I got here, this place was a mess. And sure, it was a mess. I like to organize. I like to make sure things look good. But old Marcus doesn't need to point that out. He, matter of fact, he needs to label that way of thinking as toxic. He needs to label that as poisonous. He needs to put that because I don't need, I don't care if any, if anybody notices. I'm putting that away because I don't need to toot my own horn. Amen. I'm, I, know, I know it helps us. It helps us because every time we're fixing ourselves, yeah. we're laying those weights down that ensnare us. We're laying those things down that don't keep us successful. Amen. We're, we're learning to keep long, long lasting relationships. It's nice that when you can call back to some of your friends from your last job and still have a reference letter, still have a long lasting relationship with folks. Well, some people just see, well, if I quit, I leave. I'll never see these folks again. No, you have relationships that you've built with folks. And recognize that it's important to maintain relationships as a man and a woman. Men are more guilty of not really valuing relationships. Women are excellent at it. In fact, if it weren't for women, a lot of men would be by themselves at home playing video games. (laughs) It's true. This is because men don't really... Men know one thing. Kill, eat. (laughs) That's okay. I'm with that too. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's open our Bibles to, and I think we're going to close it with this. You know what? I still got half enough. You guys, how many guys give me about five more minutes each? I got, I've got, I've got 10 people here, four people here. They've given him each 10 minutes. So that's another 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes. I got an extra 40 minutes right there. James chapter four, verse one says, uh, not James chapter, Romans chapter seven, verse 23. Let's open our Bibles there. But I want to read this one out of the Amplified because I, when I read it and I was like, read it in the Amplified. You ever just get the Lord says, read it in the Amplified. I'm like, oh Lord, you're so good. Some people are, are you sure you want to read in the Amplified? The Amplified can be some tough sometimes when you hear what it says. Well, it's important to hear some things in a different way, in a different light. And it's not that it's changed it. It's just really helps illuminate some things because it's important. Amen. Yeah, amen. And in uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 23, I'm going to read it first out of the New King James, and then we'll read it out of the Amplified. But the New King James says this, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bring me, in, that, and bring me into captivity to the law of sin in my members. 
read this in the Amplified. Oh my goodness. It says, but I discern in my bodily members and the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, a different law, rule of action at war against the, against the law of my mind, my reason and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and dwelling in my bodily organs and the sensitive appetites and the wills of the flesh. I'm telling you, there are things in your flesh in order for you to succeed, you must deal with them. You cannot leave it unattended. For all those of you who aren't parents, future parents, you never leave an unattended child in a room by themselves. If it gets quiet, they're up to no good. My parents used to say that as a kid. I used to hear parents say, and so I just kind of remembered it. If you hear a child quiet, it's because they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. That has proved to be your life-saving asset over the years for <laughs> the Delacruz family. It gets a little quiet in that kitchen. They're doing something they shouldn't be. What are you doing in those cookies? What are you doing eating that? You're not, it's not, you know, they're, they're do, kids will do be doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And it, what it is, is they require your attention. Yeah. Okay. There are things in your life that you should not leave alone. You need to address it. Address it. Because if you don't address it, it will cost you. Leaving things alone will never help. Leaving things alone will never help you and I. Because we have something in our flesh that needs to consistently, it needs consistent monitoring from yourself. You need to monitor yourself. You need to know how you think. You know when you feel down, what the result of feeling down is going to be. So you got to leave, oh, I get depressed. And how am I getting depressed? You got to, antecedents. You got to figure out why did I get upset? And how did I act out? And label those as poison. I got, I got depressed because I was watching um, a TV show. And as a TV show, they were talking about a topic. And I started eating all this food. That was the outcome of my, of my, I started to gorge. I started to sin. I started to binge. I was starting to feed the fish. And I was starting to get depressed. And now I was starting to worry. Yeah. See, all that sin started to build up. And it, there was outcomes of that. So instead of letting yourself get that far, you have to say to yourself, I recognize that every time I watch this show, every time I listen to this music, it does not pull out the best in me. It makes me angry. It makes me irritated. It makes me frustrated. In fact, if I'm ever going to be succeed, I can't lash out on people because I was upset from what I was watching or what I was seeing or the latest gossip I heard or because I heard the news and the, the, you know, the election didn't work out the way I thought it should. Dealing with self all the time. Labeling it as toxic, labeling it as poisonous, and and getting rid of it right away. Amen. Amen. Come on. Getting in the victor circle. Ephesians chapter six. I got. I'm taking five more minutes. Good. Taking five more minutes. I think I'm gonna finish this one up. I'm gonna. Come on. We're gonna finish this up tonight. There's a party at the DLC house. Party in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Philip of Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Paul writes, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Mm-hmm. Standing, therefore, having gird your waist with truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, we're not saying the devil's never around. He's, he's shooting his darts. What is he shooting? I think he's shooting thoughts, personally. Shooting thoughts. He's just trying to get you. He's just trying to hook your mouth. Just try to, you know, shooting his, shooting them darts and just hope he gets, he hooks one. Amen. So then he says, take on the salmon of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I want to, I do want to pay, pay, um, pay attention particularly to the word um, wrestle. Wrestle does not mean war. It means, however, in the, in the, in the vines, it means to sway. For we do not sway against flesh and blood, but a prince principalities. That's what the vine says. The, in other words, when you're allowing, when you're, when you're in con, or you're dealing with the devil, it's to sway you. It's to get you off of what you're on. It's to push you. It's to thwart you. It's to keep you from the victory that God has for you. I remember years ago, I had a buddy of mine and we were playing football and we were running and uh, he wasn't a very fast guy. Back in the day when I was young, I know it's kind of hard to believe I used to be, I used to be pretty quick. He, the ball was passed to him across field and I was behind the line. And I saw he got it. So I, I just took off running as fast as I could and I caught up to him. And people were trying to tackle him. But when he was running, he was like, he was running right here. When someone was trying to run and get him, I would just bump him. Just bump him. I didn't have to hit him. I didn't have to tackle him. I didn't have to jump on the floor. I just kind of bumped him. And all... All I was doing as I was bumping, I was slowing them down. Just a little sway slowed them down. See, the devil can't keep you totally from your victory. All he can do is try to slow you down. And there's a lot of people that are getting slowed down that aren't experiencing God's best a lot quicker because they're allowing themselves to be slowed down. A lack of preparation, you and I have to be honest with it. Truth and preparation is important. Doing any other way will always, will always await some sort of impending catastrophe. You can't, you can't put things off to the side, thinking things are going to get better. They don't get better until you address them. Yeah. I said they don't get better until you address them. Right. And, and part of your life as a believer is addressing those things that are important. Right. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you can go five, ten years from now. Just barely making it, barely struggling. Still go to your word church. Still got your bumper sticker. Still got your, you know, your concordance that you take with you to church. You know, and, and you got your, your big Christian t-shirts and everything else. But nothing's changing. Nothing changes until you make a decision that you're going to do the word of God for your life. Yeah. Right. Nothing will change. Yeah. And yet God, the author and the finisher and the creator of the heavens, wants your life to be better. And I've sensed in my heart that there are a lot of people that are nervous and concerned out there right now about the future. Let me ad let's address that. Label that as poison. That's good. Let's label that as poison. Let's put that under the sink. Yeah. Good. Even better, let's take it out to the dumpster. Let's see ourselves throwing away. Say, you know what? This is I'm never going to use this. I don't need this in my house because it's going to hurt somebody. 
It's going to hurt somebody. If it doesn't hurt me, it'll hurt my kids. If it doesn't hurt me, it hurts my husband. If it hurt, doesn't hurt me, it's going to, it's, 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 it's designed, it's fiery darts were designed to just bring me back and to keep me from walking out in God's best. Amen. Hey, well, I love you. We love you. I just want to encourage you, those of you who are sitting at home to, you know, I don't, wherever you're at, just to get engaged with the Lord this week. Be the person that God called you to be and never I say never, never, never give up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I love you. We love you. And we'll see you Sunday.